This is Living Connected, and we are your hosts, Katie and Kyle. We get the honor to have Mary McKenzie on our podcast. She's an author of the book called Peaceful Living, Daily Meditations for Living with Love, Healing, and Compassion. Mary has her master's degree in human relations. She and NVC Academy co-founder Mark Schultz paved the way to NVC online training in 2006. One of her passions is facilitating critical dialogues between people, and she has spent more than 20 years learning a wide variety of effective processes she can draw in a moment's notice. She's a trained mediator and a CNVC certified trainer of nonviolent communication. We asked Mary several questions about her experience with NVC, how it's impacted her life moving forward, what can facilitators do when things are in high energy, and what exactly is NVC consciousness? Please welcome our special guest, Mary McKenzie. All right. Well, here we are this morning. Welcome back, Living Connected, and all of our family and listeners and crew and the people that make this happen. I appreciate all of you. If you follow me on Instagram and or Facebook, I try to put out content weekly. And if you aren't, please subscribe and or follow us on Living Connected and and get a little bit more content than the stuff that we get here on our podcast. So thanks so much, everybody. And we <laughs> are here today with Mary McKenzie. And I have been, for months, I've I've just been so excited to like get this day with you. Um, I've done some of your uh, webinars on some of the festivals and I just enjoy what you bring to the table. And it's just been amazing. And for everyone who doesn't know, Mary McKenzie is an author and trained mediator and a CNBC certified trainer of nonviolent communication. And she holds a master's degree in human relations from Northern Arizona University. And she's a co-founder of the NBC Academy. So welcome, 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 Mary. I am so grateful to have you here with us today. Oh, thank you, Katie. It's wonderful to be here with you. Wonderful to be here. Yay. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to get started. I know. I just, I'm like <laughs> busting out and my energy inside of my body wants to like come out. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> um <laughs> Oh, and it's early morning. I don't know. 11 is still like early to be like all excited. Oh, wow. Maybe. <laughs> I just finished like my coffee and meditating and trying to ease in my morning. And I love, I love morning time to just like ease and relax. And <laughs> okay. Anyway, we're going to check in. How do you feel about that? Is that okay? If we should give a little check in? Let's do it. Awesome. Works for me. Okay. So I'm going to start and I... I'm I'm going to be I'm going to be honest. I might have some tears. <laughs> so, just bear with me. That's my honest self and vulnerability coming out. <sighs> okay. Well, let's see. I'm because I'm going to talk about my mom a little bit. Um last week I was in Bend and I was visiting and I had some acupuncture appointments. 
And I don't know if either of you have done acupuncture before, but it's like a huge impact on my healing and my grief. Mm. And acupuncture like moves the blocking energy through the body. And there's definitely parts of my grief that is definitely kind of like holding in, you know, my neck and my shoulders. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if my hip is still like bothering me a bit. Um, And there was one day after I got treatment that I, the lady was like, well, be prepared to sob some more. And I was like, okay. And so then that like whole day went away. And the next day I was nothing but like sobbing Mm. and crying and weeping like Mm. on and off all day long. And it was so exhausting, Mm -hmm. you know, to do that. Mm -hmm. And, oh, but it was, it was, it was good. It was healthy. It was something that helped me move through a lot of the stuff that I was holding on to. And like just recently, I mean, this whole entire time with my mom uh, is that I see pictures of her. I hear her voice, Mm -hmm. I have dreams of her, and there's like this deep longing of wishing that I could physically be with her again, Mm -hmm. and um, I just, I also then along with that remember the pain that she had been in physically Mm -hmm. during all of this time, and for that to be a quality of life for her just was not Mm -hmm. good quality at all. So it's like I hold both of those things in my heart so dearly because there's like, yes, there's this and then there's also this. Mm -hmm. And I would not wish for her to be in pain. I want her to like be out of that suffering. Mm -hmm. So even though I hold both of those things close and I do honor those moments with that I have when I think of her and those memories and missing her. And then I also remember, too, that she's not in this pain anymore Mm. so that's kind of like this part of where I'm sort of moving through my grief the other part is also is that there's some regret in that of course it seems like maybe I don't know that there are times when there is regret that comes up when Mm. someone who you love has passed and the regret is that when I moved in with my parents almost basically a year ago that I had moved there with so much loss and I moved there with such overwhelming grief of all the things that I had um I had left behind Mm -hmm. and that I didn't have the capacity to connect with my mom at that time and she was dying pretty much basically that whole year not that we really knew that for sure but she was considering the outcome that we have today and that regret of that entire year that I didn't have the skills to find ways to connect with her. And I know that like my dad on our walks tried to get me to talk with her. I just didn't know how to do that. And the way that we were connecting was through fighting and it sucks so bad. Mm -hmm. Like fighting is not the thing that I would prefer to connect with my family, but this is the, the pattern of connecting that we have in this family. And so that part of me, like, looking back was like, man, I wish mm-hmm. that I had better combos with my mom. And I wish that we weren't fighting. And I wanted, you know, the conversations with my mom to be the ones that were like, she loves me. And she's proud of me. And she sees the person that I am today. And it's because of her and the strength that I have. And I wanted that to be, uh, 
I wanted those to be the conversations that were like so heartfelt in the end, but because she was in so much pain, there just wasn't any of those conversations. And I like thinking about that before we got on, it was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. it would have meant so much to me to like hear my mom say that mm-hmm. before she passed. And um, the thing is, is that I do also know in my heart that in spirit, she sees all of that and she mm-hmm. might actually see it in a whole or grander picture in spirit where she actually will she has a better understanding than maybe what was happening in the time period that we you know were together for this year so oh thank you for letting me share that mm-hmm. it's just been that's like where I am in this grief in this journey and it's very much um, different than my family and um, I hold my space with so, myself with so much compassion and um, gratefulness, too, because I'm surrounded by people like Eric and you, Mary, and my friends and NBC group and people that um, that do love me mm-hmm. and can also share the things that my mom probably would have loved to share with me. So thank you so much, mm-hmm. everyone, for just... Ah, I just thank everyone, like just the podcast and everybody. I just thank you, thank you, thank you. We need the support. Together, we got to go through this together. And mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I feel complete for now and appreciate both of you for listening mm-hmm. to me just now. How are you doing, Mary? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Katie. Thank you for your check-in. I feel really touched hearing you talk about your your mom and your current relationship with your grief. It just, um, it harkens me back to when my mom died and all the layers of grief that came as a result of that was really, it was a life-changing thing actually. Yeah. So, yeah. And I have a personal theory. It's not a, it's not a tested theory, but my personal theory is that when women lose their moms, they make a big life change eventually, pretty, pretty close afterwards within a few years. So we'll see if that's true for you. Anyway, so how am I? I am touched to be here and glad to be here. There's part of me that wishes I could see all those people on the other end, and I'm okay with that also. And grateful that you're putting, that you've put your podcast together and that you're making it happen. Mm-hmm, thank you. And how I am in my personal life, I have been doing a lot of gardening. I'm actually, I would say I'm learning how to garden by gardening. Yay. <laughs> so it's not like a tried and true thing we're working on. And so I've been spending a lot of time outside with that and just really enjoying that process. And I've lived in California for about 10 years and I haven't had a yard that entire time. And that's been a new thing. That was one of the things I adjusted to when I moved here was not having a yard. So now I have a yard. I'm playing in it and loving it. Yes. So that's me. I love it. I love gardening inside the house (laughs) so I'm very happy that you are gardening outside the house that's really great and I love that when people do love to do that and you know watch things grow and take care of it I think that's lovely did you ever take like a master gardening class no I haven't taken any classes anything I know it's been word of mouth or something I picked up on google or a miracle happened (laughs) you know whatever Yeah. What is your favorite? What are you growing? Uh, Well, I just planted, um, I'm trying to grow winter tomatoes now. It's my new, the new thing, although obviously it's not winter yet. But so I planted tomato plants and I just planted four different squash for the winter and carrots. And I'm about to put potatoes in. Sweet. We'll see. That's exciting. Yeah. It's interesting growing here because I did have a garden when I was in Flagstaff, but it was an entirely different 
landscape, different weather patterns, different everything. Yeah. And so I'm just trying to sort of figure out what I can grow here. Sweet. That's exciting too. The mystery of like, ooh, well, let's try this or that. That's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Eric, how about you? Yeah. Thanks, Mary. Thanks, Katie, for checking in. Um, I tried my hand at gardening when we first moved into our house and then we had kids and I was so excited because we had this patch of ground and we were growing basil and tomatoes and I invited my my extended family over back when I used to talk to them and my aunts came in and they said, you know, I was so proud of this garden which we had been working on for months and they said, we spent our whole lives trying to get away from having to do oh, this. <laughs> I, it's all about perspective, isn't it, Eric? And life experience. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. One thing is a joy for somebody else is hellacious for someone else. So yeah, yeah, that's interesting. It is so interesting, and mm-hmm. it's uh, and it's so much fun. I'm, I'm, you know, now that my kids are grown, you know, I'm like, I'm gonna taste our care of the, you know, the backyard <laughs> again. So I'm really happy. Both my boys are home. You know, for the well, my my older one's gonna go back to college, but it's been a joy to have him at home. He. He's just he's just fun to have around, and he helps with so many things. And uh, the younger one started college, and I'm so excited that he's staying actually at home. I mean, we really want him to go away, but he's at home, and the bus ride is an hour and a half each way. Mm. And he insisted on taking the bus the first few days, <laughs> and then he started <laughs> then he started asking us. He asked us, "Could you give us a ride?" And his older brother said, "Yes." But now I actually enjoy getting up at 6.30 in the morning and driving him. Number one, there's no traffic. Yeah, right. He's a little bit of a cranky. Yeah, he's a little bit of a cranky pants. But the best part (laughs) is when I pick him up. When I pick him up, um, he just talks to me. He tells me all the stuff that happened, you know, how he's feeling, you know, what he's excited about. And so it's just great. So I get 20 minutes. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about this. Just 20 minutes of nice connection time. And I'm trying to get my partner to actually, you know, go pick him up once in a while, too, because it's just the best time, that 20 minutes. And as long as I don't ask him to do anything or give him any advice, that those card rides go great. <laughs> I think that's a good model for life. That's a good model for life. <laughs> yes. Eric, I'm really impressed that you're getting up so early because that's not really your forte, right? No, it's Oh, not. no, no. In fact, it really is not. And You both know me. Uh, pretty well. But, um, and what's so funny about that is at work, we've had another eight weeks of crazy. The fiscal quarter ended and we also have been, have been doing forecasting. So these are big mathematical, just, there's just a bunch of stuff. You, you first, you spend a whole bunch of time on the math and the modeling of what next year is going to look like. And then you apply judgment. So then you, you show the math, you explain the math of what you did. You show the model and then you throw out 80% of the model to explain why your judgment is applies to the model. And then you have to explain every step of that judgment. And then you have to co- condense that all into basically one slide. So you spend eight weeks doing all this work and you condense it into one slide. And then you just never know. So 7 a.m. <laughs> this morning, 6.30, I, I got up and I had to be ready for that. And fortunately, since my boss was presenting it, I didn't have to do anything. Uh, so, uh, then I took a nice long nap and I was like excited. I get to see Mary and Katie today. So, um, just excited to be here. This is, this is, uh, this will probably be one of the two highlights of my day today. So I'll run a little practice group later today. That's cool. Yeah. Thanks. I'm in. I love how you talk about the connections that you do have with your son and like the small moments that you are really grateful for. 
I love to know that you get goosebumps, you know, just thinking about like a drive that you typically may not like enjoy doing. And it's turned out to be this really cool opportunity to create a bond and to get to know what's going on in each other's lives for just even a short amount of time. (laughs) It reminds me of the walks that my dad and I used to do. And I actually really enjoyed those uh, during this past year or so. It's so nice to hear the dad side of things because I don't typically hear that on my end of stuff. So I enjoy it very much. Thanks. I I bet as a dad, especially if you were my daughter, I would I would be really I would really be appreciating the time walking with you. Oh. Um, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> I bet that's true. Yeah. <sighs> Well, that was our check-in. That felt really good and connecting. I I just want to add one more thing. I can't believe I forgot to say this, but I'm a new grandmother. (gasps) My first grandbaby was born June 21st, and I would be ashamed if I didn't mention that. Oh, my God, that's so cool. A beautiful baby boy named River, who's just the love of our life right now. So exciting. River. Yes, it is very exciting. That's so cool. Oh, that's so exciting because now the grandma is almost the best because you get to like have all the fun. You get to play and be the, you know what I mean? And then you can go, okay, here you go. You can have your kid back. Yeah, so we're planning on this and we're planning on them visiting us and going away and leaving him with us. Yes. So we've already discussed it. Wow. <laughs> because fortunately, fortunately, we're home base and yeah. there are things here that they still like to do. And so we've already approached them with it. Hey, you guys could come and you could leave River and you could go off into your conferences and you could then come back. And we love our kids. I mean, we love to spend time with our kids. Yeah. And the thought of having River to ourselves is pretty wonderful. So. We've already come to agreement on this. This is so cool. Wow. <laughs> yes. Oh, so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah, so much fun. I'm glad you shared that. I'm glad you didn't forget. That's really cool. News. I know. Oh, I... A two-month-old, basically. Oh, my God. Or almost three, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I would have been forgiven if I hadn't mentioned him. <laughs> here's to you, River. Yeah, here's to you, River. <laughs> we have brand new life coming into this world. Yes. And then we also have that part of our life where we pass and move on. And That's true. We have this circle of life. It just came full circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Are we ready to get into some awesome conversation this morning? I think we are. Yeah. Uh, Eric, would you like to start us off, or is there something that's like bursting that you yeah. want to start with? <laughs> there is actually, you know, Mary. I was just thinking. I thought we'd actually open with this because, for me, uh, we'll start with the NVC Academy. Just the impact that the Academy had on me for my learning and growth. When I first came to NVC through uh, Lorraine Aguilar, I started with NVC Academy because it was the only thing available to me, really. And I, I subscribed and I listened to some things and then I didn't, I went straight to the intermediate and I just didn't understand anything. <laughs> but, but I'm just thinking, um, you know, you just celebrated your 15th year mm-hmm. and probably you have tens of thousands of people, is my guess, that have taken your classes, at least thousands and probably tens of thousands. And I was thinking the impact of that over 15 years, you know, each of them probably impacted thousands. So you're probably impacting on the order of millions over 15 years. I, I don't know what, what is the academy. Maybe I want to ask is, I mean, it's meant a lot to me. And I think of the impact that you and your partner have had 
Well, you know, what are your feelings about the Academy and, you know, 15 years? And I think you're you just celebrated that with the Thrive Conference. What's what's going on for you when you think of the Academy? Yeah, we did. We celebrated our 15th year in July. And so what goes on in me is partly awe. I mean, really, there's a part of me that's like, what? It's been 15 years? Because yeah. it's been 15 years of one day at a time, you know? So there's some awe in it. And also some, you know, when I think back about our beginnings, it was pretty dry. And there there were very, very few trainers who were doing anything online. And we were using telephone systems to do online work. Wow. There was there were no video. Mm-hmm. And um, we couldn't do breakouts online at that time, breakout groups. Right. So everything was in full group all the time. And I couldn't get any trainers to come in to try it because they kept saying, oh, no, it can't be done. NVC is a heart thing. You have to be in person in order to get anything out of it. And I I actually kind of believed that myself at the time, but I thought, well, but let's try it out. So finally, I started to ask trainers, well, okay, but here's the thing. You know me, so would you just do it? Would you just try this out with me? Because we're just doing an experiment. And if it doesn't work, it's okay. Mm -hmm. So that's how we got started. One trainer at a time, literally, and um, one relationship at a time, because there wasn't uh, data that said that it worked. And so years later, um, here we are, and now almost everybody's doing um, online training, and the technology has changed dramatically. I could talk for hours about the technology shifts that we made over the years. Holy cow, yeah. And and I can honestly say it's the first time in my life. I'm a little bit um I'm a little bit of a technology nerd, but not in the not in the way you might be thinking. I don't use technology much in my life, and I'm usually the last one. You know, by the time I actually got a CD player, Blu-ray was out. That's the kind of technology person I am. <laughs> Right. So uh, so for me, to, first of all, for me to work to own a technology company is shocking. But the second thing that's shocking is for years, I kept saying, you know what? The technology isn't the technology we need isn't here yet. Like I was actually my work was actually ahead of technology, which is pretty shocking, but it did catch up. And I, I, I won't go on and on about technology, but it has been rather interesting. Second thing that's interesting, maybe only to me is that when I was younger, we, I come from a family of seven kids. So there were nine people in our family. We had one phone. Wow. We had one phone and we shared that we had a party line. So for those old people, <laughs> you can remember party lines was when several families shared a line. Yeah. And they were probably all big Catholic families. So we all shared one phone. So that was my beginnings all the way through high school. In fact, when I was a junior in high school, we got a second phone which is pretty exciting. <laughs> so we went from that to where we are today. That's what I'm saying. It's been pretty big. That's so funny. It reminds me of when my dad's older sister, she would tell me that there was, you know, the phones that you did this. She goes, then you had to call the operator and then you could yes. also just pick up the phone and hear what all the other families yes. were talking about. It was, it was and like I was that. like, oh my God. Yeah. Yes. And thinking like, some people are going, well, Zoom, it's just not the same. You're not in person. It's like, but then think about it, though, because here we are from where that was to now we get to see each other and be on conference together. Oh, it's wild. Yeah. And really, the, the Zoom has only been around for about 10 years, I think. Yeah. Not, maybe nine years, I think, at this point. Very freshly new. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's made it accessible to everybody, the video capability. Yeah. Wow. It has. It, literally, literally everybody, and that changed the game. 
that literally changed the game for all of us at that point. But so the Academy now is, we're doing great. And we are, um, we're offering courses in a few different languages. And we, we have uh, people who come to the Academy from all over the world. And we've gone from a very modest initial, uh, you know, idea to something that's actually is serving a lot of people. So cool. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's global really yeah. now. I mean, mm-hmm. through the Academy, I've met people all around the world. Maybe this is a great place to maybe just say, is there something that's coming up in the, you know, in the next six to 12 months that you're, uh, you'd want to just mention about with the Academy, something that you'd be excited to tell us about? I'm actually pretty excited about a very small thing right now. Love to hear mm-hmm. it. In, in January, we'll have our big NVC Fest, but we're not ready to talk about that yet. <laughs> but my really small thing, I have I have a hankering right now. I have a hankering to build coalitions and work on bigger projects with teams of people. And so I've decided to jump in. And so my new project is um, I do a meditation every New Year's for to sort of set our intention for the next year. And this year I've been gathering sponsors and I have about six sponsors. And so... This meditation will be led by me. It's free to everybody. It's, you know, 20 minutes long, but it will also be offered, um, interpreted in Chinese and Spanish, Hebrew. Heck yeah. There are a couple other languages not coming up for me right now. French. And the, the sponsors are cool. It's Bay NVC, NVC Mexico, NVC Argentina, NVC... Korea, NVC China. Sweet. So that's that's the starting point of the of NVC Global Rising is also a sponsor and we'll we'll get way more sponsors. So what I'm excited about is having um opportunities for people all over the world to come, even for such a short thing like a 20-minute meditation, but still come together and build build energy around the kind of world that we want to live in. Yeah. And so it was just my first foray into this. But what it's every single person I've asked has said yes to the co-sponsoring. So it tells me there's a taste for it. And so you can look forward to more of that coming down the road. I'm not sure in what particular form, but I'm sure it will come together. Oh, my gosh. That's not like a small thing. You're like, oh, it's a small thing. Oh, it's a totally small thing. It's a 20-minute meditation. No, it's that's, that's huge. Like, this is so amazing because not only is it just the small meditation, but you're bringing in people globally around to mm. be with you in this moment. And I love it. I almost wish that we could... Ah, something about the... pop. Like, I just... I love meditating, and I love that you're bringing that into the new year and like setting an intention. Yeah. I just, I think the whole idea is fabulous. Mm-hmm. It's great. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. It, it, it sounds great. I mean, small things, big things are made up of small things. When you started the Academy, it was over a uh, telephone. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So. <laughs> and now look at it. <laughs> it's now, just... now it's a global video conferencing thing with breakout rooms <laughs> in multiple languages. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, to provide that for multiple languages is amazing because we want keep we want more and more and more people around the world to have an opportunity to experience this and to have the language and not be a barrier for that. Oh, the connections to be made is is mm. more so. Yeah. <sighs> well, I thought maybe. Um... Maybe if we could transition, I thought maybe um, we could talk a little bit about Marshall Rosenberg, sort of the, the guy who brought nonviolent communication together, and you knew him, and 
and studied with him or practiced with him or facilitated with him, Mary, for mm-hmm. for some time. And uh, he started very small, is my understanding. He started with one person in the room. <laughs> yeah. And and I'd love, you know, I love to hear Marshall's stories. Um, and I and, and I'll, I'll just kind of set you up with, you know, I'd love to hear, you know, maybe something about your relationship to Marshall or what you a particular unique story you love or a teaching or something that lives in you today. Just kind of give you an opportunity to tell some Marshall stories. Yeah. So, yeah. Before you start Marshall stories, I just, every single time someone goes, I've met him, my mind just goes like this. What? Like, you were in his presence, this guy? And, like, you're pretty much famous because you've known him? Like, <laughs> I just, I I love it, and mm. I love story time, so I'm all about, like, your experiences of what it was like, because I only know videos. I've only watched. It's such a different dynamic to actually be in his presence mm-hmm. and, like, have a conversation. So I want to hear it. <laughs> oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah, um... So when I came in, there weren't that many trainers. So there was there was a first generation of trainer. I would call myself the second generation of trainer. You know, I knew them. I knew a lot of them and I knew Marshall. And he came to, you know, an hour away from where I lived many times a year. It was one of his it was one of his sort of hot spots where he would come. Yeah. So I I I did a lot of work with Marshall over the years and then um also was an IIT trainer with him for a few times before he died. So I guess Whenever somebody asks me about my experience with Marshall, I always think of two stories. And one of the stories was a group of us were at an IIT, International Intensive Training. And for those who don't know, that was that was a training that was developed by Marshall. And it was always Marshall and several trainers who taught it. Mm. And it was a residential thing and life-changing. Every one of them. I've, and I've been to a lot of them as a, as a student and also a trainer. And every one of them has been life-changing for me. Wow. So anyways, there was a group of us who were in the biz- in the business, the NVC business. At the time, I was working for the Flagstaff Center for Compassionate Communication, and I was their fundraiser. And we all were kind of scratching our heads trying to figure out, well, how do we talk about NVC? And so, you know, back in those days, Marshall was very accessible. Like, you could have lunch with him at the IIT. Wow. You could sidle up to him at a break and ask him questions. And you could ask him for specific sessions and he would say yes. You even could do private sessions with him. So I asked him for a private session, or not a private session. I asked him for a, 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 a special session just on um, what do you, how do you talk about NVC in a short, concise way with people that you're trying to, mm-hmm. in, you're trying to intrigue with NVC. Mm-hmm. And there were actually quite a few people in that class and he was blown away by it. And I said, I know, but think about it. How do you say it? Like, what do you, how, do you, how do you wrap up NVC in a few words? It's challenging yeah. to do that yeah. in a way that's actually intriguing for people and will, get, and will inspire them. So we had a whole sort of roll up our sleeves kind of session brainstorming how we could talk about NVC. And I wish I could tell you at the end that I remember what we came up with, but I don't. But I do remember it being fun and interesting. And what, partly what I enjoyed about it was Marshall learned something. What he learned was it is so it was so much a part of him that it didn't occur to him to figure out to help other people to figure out how to talk about it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you've got thirty seconds, like an elevator speech, you've got thirty seconds to talk about NVC. What on earth do you say about it? Right. So that that was one story, and the other one was the thing that actually kept me in NVC, 
and I was working for this organization and I was their fundraiser and I was a trained fundraiser. I'd been raising money for organizations for many years prior to working for this little dinky dinky one and a half person or NVC organization and they wanted me to have events but they wanted me to tell everybody we were going to ask them for money beforehand and I kept saying no nobody will come there's not a person who was going to come to this event if we just put out on the table ahead of time what we're going to be doing and but they insisted on it so I went to an IIT and somebody suggested I do a private session with Marshall and I was literally on the edge where it was so much of a stretch for me to be that transparent that I was literally thinking this can't be for me then. I can't, this, this philosophy isn't for me. So I asked Marshall if he would do a private session and he did. And I, I told him my dilemma. And I said, literally, I, I can't live this transparently. And he said, yeah, but you know, what's the big deal? And I said, no, Marshall. And I had this idea, I was gonna, I was gonna sway him. I was certain I was gonna sway him. And I said, Marshall, it's like asking somebody on a date, except you don't just ask him on a date. You ask him on a date and you say, well, I do kind of want to go to dinner tonight, so the first date, but what I'm really looking for is a lifetime partner. I think I'd like to have three or four kids and I'd like to live in Sacramento. What do you think? And Marshall said, oh, I would love that. And I was blown away at his response, just blown away. Like, how could you possibly love that? And I don't know what happened in the middle. So I know what happened at the beginning and I know what happened in the end. But in the end, I walked out all in. Mm. And I think that's pretty remarkable because I was so terrified of being that transparent, that honest with people, that I couldn't fathom living this way. Right. Yeah. And that was, you know, like 22 years ago. So Marshall had a way of, uh, how do I say this? He didn't just teach the words. He got information to you from the inside out. Mm. And much of it, I don't remember, actually. Like, I, I really couldn't tell you any, even any time what happened, the inside out part, but I know it happened. So he reached, he reached me at a different level, and that's what kept me going. And it was hard. Living in NVC consciousness is not easy. No. I mean, it takes a lot of work and a lot of... Yeah internal shifting, yeah. a lot of perspective shifting. I mean, it's huge, the shifts that happen in a lifetime of NVC. And it would be impossible to th imagine doing that, going through that without that kind of inner inspiration, oh, I think. That's so lovely. I When you were talking about the inside out, it almost, it, like the thing that pictured in my mind was, it was almost like he had this essence about him that like touched you from like, in a spiritual way of just with an essence or like an energy that just you felt it. You didn't have to see it, that it was happening. So that's so powerful. Yeah. So powerful. Yeah. It's fun talking about him. Yeah. I love hearing about it. That's so cool. <laughs> oh, that shift. Aha. I don't like, did I, I'm thinking like that NBC consciousness, like in the beginning, was there a shift or was I all in? Pretty sure. Cause the moment I read it, like his words, I, and watched like his three hour film. I was like, what? People don't know about this? <laughs> I like can't. Yeah. There was just, yeah, I guess there was a shift of like, this is how it was supposed to be. This is how to feel heard and understood and seen by the people that you really want. So I guess there was a shift of like, aha, 
Ta-da! Here it is! Everything you should have been knowing all your whole life. So that's interesting that there was some, when you said that there was, it was hard to be transparent Mm -hmm. or be that vulnerable or that Mm -hmm. honest or scary honesty with yourself and others in front of other people. That's so scary to be and then to think like, ah, I can't do this to then, oh, 100%, 100%, I'm in this, let's do it, and bring it on. <laughs> yeah, and then I have to say, and then along the way, a whole series of different shifts of deepening in my understanding of how I was living in a violent way or how, I mean, not the obvious. The obvious things are, you know, that was pretty easy early on. But there are layers and layers and layers of, of it that came over the years and each one of them was like oh my goodness how did I not see that so it's been quite a journey there's been very few things that have kept my attention this long yeah there's layers it's just like any relationship we have with anything Mm -hmm. grief or anger and we see I mean it just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper the more we take a closer look at that and that's even scary to do to like look at the layers that do come with these things so mm-hmm. oof, yeah oh man what do you think eric over there i know you're <laughs> thinking lots oh yeah i'm thinking about what questions to ask mary we when i talk to you mary it's typically about stuff that's really alive but i want to ask you so many questions now <laughs> like like what is nvc consciousness because <laughs> i'm i'm sitting here like what is what is NVC consciousness? So maybe I can ask that and see what what your response is. What is NVC consciousness? Yeah. Simple question. Yeah, well, it's not a simple answer. And I my guess is Yeah, right. <laughs> my guess is you if you ask that five trainers you'd get a variation of five different ideas, but um I think primarily an NVC consciousness is needs-based living. Mm-hmm. Living based on needs, not strategies. And a deeper layer of it for me is taking responsibility for my part, my part in relationships, those that are positive and not positive. And also, you know, one of the basic foundations of NVC is to value all needs equally. But so many times we forget us in that equation. Right. Yeah. So in my my beginnings, I spent just hours upon hours giving other people empathy, but being very uncomfortable receiving it myself. Very uncomfortable being that transparent or being seen that mm. in that raw way that one can be seen mm-hmm. if receiving, you know, solid quality empathy. So there's something about um, creating space. It's actually living in the possibility that all needs can matter is actually what it is. Living in the possibility that all needs could matter. And that to me is an NVC consciousness. If I was going to put it in a very simplistic way, it would be that. And one of the things I love about NVC is it's not just a philosophy, though. It also has very specific tools on how to get there. Yeah, I love that. When I think about consciousness, I think of a mindset, um, an energy in the way that we think. And living in an NVC consciousness is exactly what you're saying in that it's about needs and that all of the needs matter in some form or another. And they matter to everybody and to just be thinking consciously about those needs I don't know all the time even though that seems like ridiculous to say all the time it's kind of true like living in that choice of being in our needs and our values 
and just consciously being aware of that and noticing. Because I go on in my life, I have conversations with my dad, as Eric knows, that are like, why is it defensiveness all the time? But when I can, even in those moments, I'm not consciously being an NBC consciousness because I'm so, there's just things that like overpower that, take over, and I'm not really necessarily thinking. Then afterward where I can reflect, I can be in my needs. Mm -hmm. I can get empathy or feel seen with somebody when I didn't feel seen in the moment with the other person. So yeah, that's so interesting when people say NBC consciousness and what that really looks like, what that means, what does it sound like? What does it feel like in our body? Yeah, it's, um, I don't know, I feel feel excited about that question because it kind of reminds me of like a meditation. It's a practice. Mm-hmm. We, you know, it's a consciousness that maybe lives inside of us or does live inside of us all the time. It's just whether we connect with that or aware of it. I don't know. That's such a good question, Eric. Thank you for asking. What do you think? Uh, I was thinking about what Mary said in terms of holding, I think what you said, Mary, was the holding the possibility of all needs as being important or trying to hold all needs. And then um, through practice, building capacity, mm. maybe, or skill sets, and then practicing, whether through it's through, um, through an academy activity in breakout rooms one-on-one or with coaching or in practice groups, or with the people around us. It's, it's the practicing and then the holding of the consciousness. So I asked specifically about the consciousness. I think that's, that's challenging, yeah. is holding that consciousness mm-hmm. and the, the, the universal human needs or the core values and trying to stay there and not get attached to... I think, I think what you were saying, Katie, is noticing and then for me not being attached to strategies which is what you right you kind of opened with mary yeah uh, being attached to outcomes so staying with the values and then if i can stay with the values and deactivate and be aware of energy that's more painful then see where i can go with more strategies to get more needs met mm-hmm. so that's very interesting thanks mary <laughs> and katie what's your i don't know your favorite thing about knowing NBC, like maybe on both sides of the spectrum, what has been the most fun and exciting and then what's been the most challenging Mm. or something that's kind of been a struggle uh, with NBC. So maybe give both polarities of Mm. both sides. I would say the most exciting for me is being completely empowered in my life. You know, um, being really clear that my joy in life is directly related to me and how I'm living my life and who I'm living my life with and how am I showing up and um, that it isn't about needing other people to do or be anything and that I do have needs and it's my responsibility to tend to them which is something I just didn't get before and so all of my relationships have been improved I mean absolutely everyone and I have a joy and a happiness in my life that I didn't think was possible So that, I would say, is probably the part that I like the best. It hasn't come without challenges. You know, there have been times, (laughs) a few in particular times in my life where I have thought, oh man, this is hard. It's hard work to do that kind of internal work. And life is messy. And when it's messy, it, it can feel really hard, challenging. 
So there have been a few times, and to be honest with you, that, that job I had with the Flagstaff Center for Compassionate Communication, I still hold that as one of the hardest times in my life, actually. There was so much internal shifting going on in me at that time. And um, I literally would go to prayer and, and ask for a way out. Yeah. <laughs> like a way out now. This can't possibly be good for me. And the answer kept saying, oh, no, mm-hmm. you are right where you need to be. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my journey has been about trusting my instincts, trusting my internal voice, and sticking it out even though it's been challenging. And, you know, being in relationship with people and really being in relationship with them you know, sitting in the hard times and talking it through. There's always a moment in the middle of it. Always, always, always. Even after all these years where I think, oh, this isn't going to work. We're not going to get to the other side. I just know it. But if I stay in the process, we'll get to the other side. I just have to keep reminding myself, just stay in the process. Empathy express, empathy express, and you'll get to the other side. But there have been really... Um, hard times mm. to remember that. I like that. Stay in the process. I feel like that's where I am with my family. Like stay yeah. in the process. Mm-hmm. Like this is the hardest moment where our family, I feel like we kind of broke apart. Yeah. Like distanced. So I feel that like I'm just going to stay in the process, move with the process. I think that's right. That's like really challenging to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, in a situation like that where your whole family had a role and all of a sudden there's one major person who's not there to take on their role. Yep. It's a big shift. It's like yeah. cat, it can be cattywampus. Yeah, I feel like the whole ground is like shaking mm-hmm. underneath. You're right. Mm-hmm. My mom was like the rock of everyone. Yeah. You know, and so then you pull that rock out and you're like, oh my God, whose role is what and what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. And like you said to guy, like wrap the circle around of needs matter and the capacity, like Eric was saying, like to build that capacity with along with you, like oh my gosh, like I have needs and I need to build that capacity up within myself and mm-hmm. realize that I need to nourish those needs for me because then I can s- stay in the process. Because if I don't satisfy or figure out how to attend to my heart, then the empathy and express, empathy and express won't happen because I'm I'm not in a space of my own to have capacity for this other part of the family or the other person. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's like all of that is connected together and holy moly. Yeah. I hear everything that you're saying and I'm soaking it in. (laughs) Yeah. The other most practical thing that I love about my NVC training is being able to be in a group and really get people in such a profound and simple way and have a couple of words that I can say, like I'm in a book club with a group of women and one lady was really agitated about something in the book and she couldn't quite get it out. And so she was, you know, talking and talking, trying to express herself. And I said, it sounds like you really want respect among all ages. That's all I said. And that was it. And she said, that's it. And we moved on. There's something so almost thrilling for me to get people at that level for a person who really didn't, I mean, I didn't have a great understanding of people myself or others really so I do love that it's simple and practical yeah you touch them in a space that they were probably never even thought of like what yeah that yeah that resonates so much for me and then they were able to like possibly heal a very small part of themselves when you just acknowledged with that accompaniment 
for that person. So holy moly, yeah, it can be really powerful. Eric, you had your hand up. What were you going to say? Yeah, no, I, I actually had a question for Mary specifically. I was remembering the first time I remember you telling me this, that trust the process. It was during your facilitate groups with joy and confidence class, mm -hmm. the longest name of the longest name of any class at the academy <laughs> but oh no but, it's uh, not you said trust the trust <laughs> no it's not it's not the longest <laughs> i wish it was i believe you yeah <laughs> anyway great class i think you offer it a cut one or two times a year it's a great class everybody listening you should take that class anyway you said that and then i've heard this from jim and jory mansky and then from yvette erasmus and it's something like it's similar to that it's because you don't go in trying to change the system, you change yourself and you change the system changes because of your because you changed right. and you're part of the system. Yeah. And, and what I'm looking for is a little hope here. Okay. <laughs> certainly. Uh, do you have some. So certainly in that instance where you gave her a moment of empathy and you saw a little transformational, a little shift for her. Do you have experience in seeing systems change because an individual change? It happens for me in my family, and I can't tell if it's because I changed or other people changed, probably both. Do you, do you have any systemic examples that you can think of where you changed and then the system changed? Yeah, I definitely see it in my family. Gosh, the most, I guess, the, mo the two most profound ways I can think of with my family, examples in my family was... Um, my parents were both very staunch Catholics and they believed in their faith. They had a very specific way about looking at what God is. And then my father went into recovery and he started to shift his idea of God, which was shocking for everybody around him. So one time my brother Dan and I were having a conversation with my parents about God. Just a simple thing like what is God, which as you know is probably not a simple conversation, especially no, with two people who are very Catholic and one who was kind of changing his idea of God at the time. And they were old at the time. They were probably in their 80s when we were having this conversation. And so every once in a while in the conversation, my mom would try to stop it. And I would give her a moment of empathy. And then after that, ask, would she be open to us just talking for a few more minutes? Because I was really loving the conversation. Right, yeah. And she said, well, oh, okay. Okay, she'd say. So we, we went through this like three or four times. And then one time... My, my brother, Dan, who has no NVC experience at all, about the fourth time stopped mom and said, hey, mom, and he gave her an empathy guess. It was remarkable to me. Whoa. And then he said, after she'd been heard, he said, would you be okay if we talked for a, a bit more? And she said, yes. And I was like, wow, I love that. I love that. So that's one way. The second way was I'm the youngest of this crowd. I was raised with the idea that they all knew more than I did on all things. I mean, pretty much. I thought of my family this way, me at the bottom, and then everybody else on top, not right. sideways. So when my parents died, my older brothers had an idea about how to distribute their estate. It was my dad who died last. And I asked if we could not do it that way. Could I lead the family in a conversation to distribute their estate? And they didn't, ha they didn't own very much, but still what they had was precious to some of us at least and they they fought me a little bit but in the end the one brother who was the executor said yes he was also the brother who was in the conversation I was just talking about so I led my family in a conversation the day after my dad died it had to be then because there were so many people flying out and we made the decisions about everything 
in like eight hours without an argument, without animosity. Mm. There was a lot of love expressed and they let me lead them through this process that was just remarkable to me. It was remarkable to me, actually. The amount of love that was expressed that day and the level of trust that I felt like I had, that was a total shift. What my brother Mike wanted to do was open the door and have everybody come and just take what they want and leave. Mm. That was his idea. And I I felt so sad thinking about that. That sounded like, I don't know, picking through people's stuff and just grabbing what you want and not having any kind of interaction. So that's the system I've seen change. And I think the academy is an example. Not that it had, I mean, we always were sort of in the NVC consciousness in the beginning. I mean, we, we sure were, though we were young giraffes at the time. But the way that we collaborate with people has changed dramatically. Oh, I really appreciated you sharing that story and how you saw a shift in, in a system that, like, who knew? And it touched me because I, because I wish that we, I, you know, take you and I'm stuttering because I'm just like, oh my gosh, I want to be that person to like collaborate. Let's come together and like talk about this versus the way like my grandfather went about it was, oh, everything's up, estate sale or whatever, grab what you want. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what happened. And then I felt kind of a little bit about how that was happening here in my family and I don't know how to be the person you are to like come in with, you know, that, ugh, I, that's what I would like is to have that card Mm -hmm. conversation and to be connected. And I don't know how to be that shift. I don't know how to do that. I just, oh, I'm so, oh, I, that's how I would picture it. Like with so much love and care, that's how I feel that you took on this with love and care and kindness and just consideration and just all of the things. So, oh, that was a great story. Thank you for sharing that with mm. me. Yeah, thanks, Katie. Yeah, thanks, Mary. Good I th- question. <laughs> I, I, I think, uh, you know, I think at least for me and the people I talk to, often family is the most challenging situation in which to apply yeah. yes. NBC consciousness. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think the more that we care about a person, then the harder it is because we have attachments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Thank you, Mary. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. This is going so well. I am just so happy. I feel happy and grateful. And um, was there something that that you find, like, Mary, so passionate about when it comes to NBC and when it comes to teaching and, you know, helping others connect and support them in their learning and their growth? Is there some, there's, I'm sure there's many. <laughs> How could there not be? But is there, like, something that you are just so deeply passionate about in this journey, providing this wonderful consciousness to other people, like what would, if you were to teach somebody something, what would be the best thing, your favorite thing? I would say my favorite thing to teach right now is teaching people how to facilitate NBC groups. And the reason, there's a couple of reasons for it. One of them is that I think that's where our own learning takes off. Our own ability to live NVC takes off when we start teaching it. Because I would notice myself standing in front of a group and teaching a principle and then go inside, oh, I blew that. I I wasn't doing that. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about needs. I reacted negatively. So it's kind of like holding ourselves accountable, I think, when we start teaching it. And we start to see where where our own 
failings lie. And also, what just even the process of going to teach an NVC principle and trying to internalize it, like, how do I live this principle? Like empathy, how do I live empathy? Right. How do I live that in my life? Enough, I have to have at least enough understanding so that I can share it with someone else. So that is what I'm most passionate about. And then the second thing is when I came in, I think it was sort of understood that if you could live it, you could teach it. Mm -hmm. And I do not think that's true. And I spent a lot of years trying to figure out how to teach it and how to share it with others in a way that was inspiring, that allowed people room to grow and learn it, that, um, that woke people up who wanted to be awakened. So I think teaching actually is an art in and of itself. So I feel a lot of joy about that. And I have taught a 12-week course, as Eric mentioned it, my Facilitate NVC Groups course. And now I'm doing a four-week sort of a get down and dirty, just four-week course called Jump In Now Facilitation Stuff. Yes. And then the other thing I would say, just sort of surrounding all my work is making NVC easy and simple. I think we can overcomplicate it. And I really like a much more practical, easy process that's still profound and and offers deep learning, but isn't overthought or overcomplicated. I love it. So I would say that's my general style. I love it so much. That's what I think on the second thing that you were talking about is living it. It's different, like teaching versus living it. I mean, some teachings, yes, for others to say, oh, I want to grab this information and knowledge. At the same time, here's what I'm doing, living NBC in these moments, moving through and having a relationship with grief or anger. And that's me living through NVC, allowing other people and listeners and the family to see what that looks like, to live in it. And here's the process that happens with that. And it's so that, I mean, I'm a teacher. I teach young children. I'm a substitute, you know, and teaching is like something in my nature for some reason. Like I want to teach everyone, educate them, you know, and at the same time, right, we have to live it. We have to understand what it's like to have the empathy for ourselves. And then how do we talk and teach it when that's where it starts from? So I really appreciated you saying that and I hear you. And I also like was curious about the facilitating when you said, teaching facilitators on how to facilitate and man I you know I bet that there yeah there's a skill there because things can happen in groups and (laughs) yes they can (laughs) lots of things can happen in groups (laughs) (laughs) like what is something that happened like has you have you had any experiences that that's happened where you know Things don't go well, or <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta jump in here, okay? Because I've seen Mary deal with this multiple times, and oh, you have? Uh, no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where essentially something starts to she, because Mary will teach you a skill like tracking, or at least make you aware of the skill, and you have to learn it, <laughs> tracking, right? Like, okay, I now hear three. So she does an observation. I now hear that there are three requests. Or if she's teaching it, she'll say, "Does anybody remember the original request?" I just, I'm just getting goosebumps because I remember I've seen her do this, teach this particular lesson two or three times. That's one thing. So she teaches tracking as part of that twelve week class. And then um, the other thing that will happen is so things start to go off the rail because too many requests. And then I see Mary rein it back in. And then. Sorry, this is just going to be about you, but you don't get to talk, Mary. Okay. And, then the other, and, and then I've seen it where someone essentially gets very deeply triggered 
and Mary is able to support them for really, you know, two, three, four minutes, process it, honor the process, and, you know, support a little bit of empathy, like, like in the book club. And then the group is able to move forward, essentially, with the, what, what, with the whole, so holding the individual's needs is important. So you model that for me, Mary. And then holding the group's needs as well. So often I have processed what you, I've seen you do, but then what's more interesting is when I'm <laughs> facilitating a group and something like that happens. And in that moment, I don't remember what Mary would have done, <laughs> but later I process it as like, oh, hmm. okay, this is, then I remember what Mary yeah. did. So I just wanted to share that as, you know, as an example. <laughs> I'm done. What comes up for you, Mary? Oh, I love hearing those examples. Think about it a group of people come together. And so there's each person's personality, plus when all those personalities come together, there's a group personality that happens. And literally anything can happen. I mean, I think it's really brave what we do, those of us who have chosen to teach. I think it's really brave, actually. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of my self-empowerment has come from it. Because I really trust I can handle things. And I didn't used to have that trust at all. I had no skill in actually navigating challenge mm. prior to NVC, I would say, except running away. I mean, I guess, I guess technically that's a skill because I did technically keep myself safe, physically safe. Right. Yeah. But I didn't enjoy intimacy or, um, you know, close relationships. So now I can have clo close relationships and I don't have to run away every time it gets challenging. And I can stand in front of a group and sort of deal with what's there, which isn't to say that I don't ever get triggered or I don't have my moments where I think, man, I really screwed that up. I do have those moments, mm, but the they come less and less often. Yeah. And one of the one of the things I learned that I didn't know that I was going to learn is in the beginning, I would have kind of a lot of challenges in my groups, but I saw other trainers having challenges, too. So I didn't think anything of it. Now I just don't very often. I mean, unless something comes in that's completely unexpected, like, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, somebody had, I mean, this is shocking, really, but somebody had a stroke on one of our calls, on one of our courses, in one of our courses. So that kind of thing, you just, you just deal with it. You just figure out how to deal with it. But as far as the relationships go, it's gotten increasingly easier in that way. The groups are calmer, I think, when the facilitator's calm. Actually, I think that's a, oh. I think it's a direct relationship. Is there the direct relationship to like regulating self or like co-regulating in a way, right? Being grounded and centered yourself. Grounded. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which it came, you know, back around to you saying like having that empathy, figuring out that self mm -hmm. part. Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking about like when you say challenges in groups, like are there times when like participants get angry at each other or is there times when when facilitators and participants get like angry or frustrated or hurt feelings or I'm just thinking like how would how would we na navigate things like that uh, <laughs> I, mean, I don't I mean I've never I mean I just I don't know what that's like and so I'm just come, curious come to, see, come to some of my meetings when Mary's not there and you'll see exactly <laughs> what it's like I want to know I'm just so curious <laughs> Well, I mean, so early on, what I was at an IIT, I was a student, I wasn't a trainer yet, and I literally thought that somebody in the class was going to jump up and punch the trainer in the face. Oh, dear God. 
I literally thought there was going to be physical violence. So yes, it can happen. And the way to de-escalate it is empathy. Right. Stop. Get out of yourself. Get out of yourself as best as you can and give empathy to the other person. You're literally trying to bring the energy down. Not to calm people. It's not like this where, you know, that um, people will do that to try to calm you down. That's not what I'm saying. Right. It's trying to relax the energy in the room. Right. And another technique is to name it. Literally to name it. Wow, this is really intense right now. I'm just wanting to acknowledge that. And I'm also wanting to remind us all in this moment that we can actually deal with this. Yes. We have the capacity for it. So let's be, so let's just relax into it and see how it unfolds. Right. Just to even name it so that person A in the corner isn't just totally freaked out throughout the entire process. They have a chance to know that you believe there's a way through. And they can put their trust in you as the facilitator, even if they themselves are scared to death in that moment. Right. If there's like trust in the facilitator that they are able to be present in that moment to like be with this moment. Are there times when like things like that happen? Do you come back in group again and have a different where the energy is kind of, you know, settled and talk about it further? Or usually does it just end after the things that have happened? You move forward to the next time. It depends on the situation. If the conflict was re- was finally resolved outside the group, I would bring it back to the group. Okay. Because even though it was about those two people, maybe, everybody was affected right. in the group. And... So if you don't resolve it back in the group, then there's that tension and energy in the group that you that I, I think doesn't support. So then I would definitely come back. If it was a conflict that we resolved in the group and there was learning in it, I thought, mm-hmm. I would bring it back. But it's not for the purpose of talking about it. It has a, a, a purpose of learning from it. Right. So it's not the, it's not the kind of thing where people are talking about their feelings so much. It's more trying to understand what happened and what was my part in it. More like that. Oh, I like that. A a reflective learning and growth Mm -hmm. of self and deeper understanding. That's interesting, yeah. Because everyone is affected at some point or another. Mm -hmm. And being able to address that would be, yeah, I could see how that would be really helpful and healing for the whole group. Thank you for that. <laughs> I'm still new. I don't actually I want to like try to work in and experience more groups. That I think that would give me a sense of more growth. Mm-hmm. It would be good for my experience, I think. <laughs> yeah, and even notice what what uh what do you like and what do you not like so much? Yeah. Is actually not about judging the other person at all, but more about learning your own style should you ever decide to facilitate groups. I know, I'm thinking like, ooh, can I do this? Yee! I don't know! <laughs> I think I could. It just would take practice. I mean, it's not like I'm afraid to like be in a group of, uh, be a leader. Because, like, you know, being a teacher, it kind of, you're like, eh. But it's the things that come at would come at me or say involve me. And I'm going, oh my gosh, I have to stay regulated with myself if I were to like have some sort of conflict or situation happen like how would I handle this what would I do and right it's not a judgment on anybody it's about the growth exactly (laughs) how are we feeling so far feeling good yeah thumbs up from Eric (laughs) good 
I've uh, enjoyed our conversation so much, and I feel like I could just talk to you about so many things for a really long time, but I know time is of the essence, and and I am grateful for the time we've had. Now, saying that, I hope sometime in the future you would love to come back and have more conversation um, with us, and given that time is there anything any last questions eric or anything mary that you have said that you might want to add to or haven't said that you'd like to share before we close today i'll let eric go first i don't really have anything else to add i've enjoyed the conversation and it's been fun to talk with you both yeah me too Uh, i've just enjoyed the time mary we we haven't spoken for several months now and having this kind of freedom to just talk about stuff that is not business related it's just great yeah so so this is really fun for me and uh katie you're okay too so yeah <laughs> i'm your daughter that you've never so thank, had thank, so i know i'm more than great you you are the daughter that i never had that is exactly right that is exactly right oh. so uh yeah thanks mary and katie for having me with uh with uh, in the conversation today I've i've had a lot of fun oh. Thank you both of you so much and Eric for bringing the wonderful questions and Mary for just having the amazing answers to them and bringing so much joy to my heart and to my life and just it just means it means the world to me and it also meant the world that you know we share the fact now with my mom passing that And being in company with somebody who has also shared that uh, means a lot because it just, it does. It just, to be in shared reality meets a lot of needs for mine. And I appreciate you so much. Mm -hmm. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. And I would reach into this iPad and give you a big hug. (laughs) And just be like, oh, yes, thank you. Oh, Mary, it's been a pleasure. Uh, Thank you, Katie. Maybe that's the next technology. Be like Harry Potter. Exactly, like like Harry Potter. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That would be kind of freakish, but not impossible. Nothing's impossible. That's very true. Very true. All right, Living Connected, thank you so much for spending this hour and some with us today. I really hope you've enjoyed it. Be kind to your heart. Be gentle to your heart. And as always, toodles. And we will see you next time. And see you, Eric. And see you, Mary hopefully in the future. (sighs) Thank you. Bye. Bye, everybody.